Hello, and welcome to the Professional Pricing Society's podcast. I am Lisa Fisher, Senior Director with the Professional Pricing Society. Today, we will feature Alex Chartis, co-founder and CEO of Perfect Price. Today's topic of discussion is dynamic pricing's real-world applications. Hey, Alex, and thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you, and we look forward to your pricing expertise. If you would please just briefly introduce yourself and share with our listeners um, about who you are and your, your background and how they can find you on social networks. Sure. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Alex Schartzis, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Perfect Price. I've been with Perfect Price for a number of years now, working on pricing with some of the largest companies in the world, uh, as well as some of the smallest companies in the world. Uh, and before that, I've been in the tech industry at um, top tech startups for the last decade or so. Um, so we're really excited to be here and talk about AI and pricing with you. Wonderful. Um, Alex, if you would mind, are you on social and could you share your Twitter handle so um, listeners can find you on social networks? Yes. Uh, I'm at, uh, in Twitter, I'm at, at The Generalist uh, and the company is at Perfect Price Inc. Uh, and on LinkedIn, I'm uh, my name, Alexander Schartzis, and also uh, Perfect Price. Wonderful. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our discussion today. So Alex, your company, Perfect Price, uses AI to solve the problem of dynamic pricing. Can you tell us what makes AI so effective in this situation? It's a question we get a lot. So, so thanks for asking. I think what makes AI effective is that for the companies that we work with, they have a tremendous amount of data. Uh, and when you have a lot of data, uh, it's really hard to sift through all of it uh, with people. Um, and so what you end up doing is simplifying the problem so that it's it, it's something that people can deal with, but then that loses the, you lose a lot of fidelity in that um, and you become a lot less efficient. Uh, and so what AI does is it enables people to, like our customers uh, and, and, and other companies, to be able to manage their pricing across a very large uh, number of products, locations, uh, very complicated businesses, uh, without having to manage uh, massive amounts of rules and, and really complicated workflows. Excellent. So we also hear a lot about AI in the media, but what applications of AI are being used today? So this is a big misconception uh, we've found. If you use Facebook, you use AI every day. If you use Google, you use AI every day. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, products that we just take for granted that uh, use AI and are um, are just part of our daily lives. I think when it comes to business tools and tools that uh, enterprises use, um, there's there's a lot of misconceptions there as well. So first, about half of the products that say they use AI don't. Uh, done recently on startups in Europe, where, where the vast majority actually didn't use AI but said they did. Um, but there are products that do uh, outside of. Uh, outside of pricing. One uh, a good example is a company called Text.io, which uh, looks at job postings and, and guides companies in making job postings that appeal to more applicants uh, using AI and natural language processing. And a lot of others as well. So Amazon famously uses AI and machine learning to manage uh, its inventory and, uh, and make sure that it has products in stock and has products queued up in warehouses that are close to people about to buy them. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So you also mentioned true AI. How would you define what true AI is? 
Yeah, so so there are a bunch of different definitions of AI floating around uh, in the marketplace. And I think I think if you look at the technical definition, that's really one of, of machines being able to uh, make decisions on their own without being given rules by people. So they're able to take in data and generate their own behaviors uh, or make their own decisions without being explicitly told what to do. And so when we talk to revenue managers or pricing managers, a lot of them go to the traditional operations research approach of, oh, well, if if it's a Monday, people are willing to pay more. Or if it's uh, if it's summer, people are willing to pay more. Um, and that isn't, you know, by setting a rule that says charge more in the summer, that isn't, you know, that's a rule. That's not that's not AI. Um, and so you have a lot of people that are um, marketing solutions, both in the pricing world and outside of the pricing world. Uh, they, they may be they may be effective, um, but they're not they still require that human understanding and the human guidance. When we talk about AI uh, and, and, and with the way our software works, you, you train it with data, let's say transactions, and it learns from the data that Mondays people are willing to pay more. You don't have to tell it that. It doesn't actually know in the sense that a human would know that Mondays are a reason why people pay more. It just discovers that a higher price on Monday mm -hmm. results in in more sales. So, so I, a lot of companies talk about having AI, um, but I think from a marketing standpoint, it's a pretty uh, abused term. Um, when we talk about AI, it's the ability for the machine to just understand without being explicitly told what to do. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And what other companies are using dynamic pricing? So, I mean, there, there are a lot of examples of new companies using dynamic pricing, and there are a lot of examples of, of legacy companies using, you know, what we would call pre-internet dynamic pricing. So, uh, you know, I mean, the airlines are probably the most famous early adopter of dynamic pricing uh, or revenue management, as it were, dating back to the 70s and 80s. Um, but today, when you look at uh, the new landscape, you have companies like Uber, which is probably the most obvious. Um, Uber has always been extremely aggressive in how it talks about using dynamic pricing and how surge pricing is really important to their business. The reality with Uber is that they're 40% to 50% less than a taxi cab ever was, right? So they've created a, a pricing environment in which they are much lower than the prices used to be uh, and, and are for taxi riders. Um, while it sometimes, yes, they might be higher, but it's because they can do that because of dynamic prices. Drivers show up because they're fully utilized uh, during off-peak times when taxi drivers used to sit around in front of hotels, and then they're making a lot of money. And so a lot of people show up to drive on a Friday night in a big city where, where there's a lot of demand. Um, so Uber is a really famous one. Some other, other ones that, that might not use AI, but have moved to dynamic pricing. Uh, one of my favorite examples right now is Vail Resorts. So Vail Resorts has really uh, advanced how the ski industry uh, does pricing in general. Um, and so now you'll see different lift ticket prices on different days of the week, on diff you know, different lift ticket prices if, if it's a snowy day versus a not snowy day. Um, so you know, it used to just be $60 every day of the year. Uh, now Vail has a very sophisticated strategy that's driving a lot more people towards buying season passes um, and, and dynamic pricing is a big part of that. You know, if you plan on going skiing over a holiday, you, you might as well go buy a season pass because it might be really expensive. Um, whereas if you plan on skiing a couple off peak days, uh, you know, you, you, they'll still capture that demand without, um, without forcing you into a pass. So, so those are, uh, those are a couple of examples that are kind of spread across the spectrum from your everyday purchase at Uber um, to your, you know, more lifestyle 
more um, entertainment type purchase at at, uh, at a ski resort, and and there's a ton in between. I mean, there are, you know Amazon and um, and Lyft, and, and there are many other good examples. But those are two that have really stuck with me as as exemplifying the broad range of dynamic pricing strategies. Excellent. And um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, are there any downsides of incorporating dynamic pricing? Um, yes. I mean, I think like like any tool uh, in the in the pricing manager's arsenal, uh, there are positives and negatives. Um, I think that Uber is a great example of some of the negatives. That if you don't message it correctly, uh, or you're not you, you don't position what you're doing in a way that appeals to the consumer, you can have a lot of uh, a lot of blowback. I think Uber may have viewed that as any press is good press, and so um, so you know maybe that was part of the strategy. Maybe it was an unintended side effect. But I think in any pricing strategy, you have to be really conscious of what the consumer expectations are. Um, so I think when you look at, um, you know, I mean, I guess you could go deeper on Uber, right? There was, you know, there was a surge price during the London bombing attacks, which, which is just a side effect of having a dynamic pricing engine um, and then having something really unexpected happen and start to, again, have the machine learn that prices should go up. Um, you know, but, but I think I think when you step back and you think about it, right, there's a financial and there's a marketing component to that decision. And so the whole organization has to come together around what is uh, the right way for their business to implement dynamic pricing. Uh, it, you know, we've we've talked to, for example, um, OEM car manufacturers who want to move to dynamic pricing because the reality is through salespeople pricing in the, in the new car market is actually somewhat dynamic already. Um, but they don't want to change prices every hour like a rental car company would. You know, maybe they want to change prices every week because people look for cars over a longer period of time. Even within them, some some view a week as too fast because it takes on average people three weeks to decide to buy a car. Other people view it as great. If the, if the price moves around, that might create a, a sense of urgency. And so changing prices weekly might drive people to purchase for fear of the price changing against them a week later. So there are different strategies and each company has to come up with what, um, you know, what works for them uh, and, then, sure. and then match the implementation to that strategy. Excellent. And what is the risk of not incorporating dynamic pricing into your pricing strategy? Uh, so a lot of people get comfortable in what they're doing. And I think, I think change, especially in pricing, as we all know, is a really, is a really hard pill to swallow. And so, uh, there are a lot of examples of transformational pricing strategies happening you know when desperation struck i mean you could even call netflix's recent price change not necessarily desperation but a reflection of the higher cost of capital and the need to just generate more revenue to pay more money for for shows um i think i think the the risk for dynamic pricing are existential so you know back in the 1980s people express was put out of business by american airlines because american airlines Moved to a dynamic revenue management pricing strategy, and People Express kept static prices. And so suddenly, People Express saw its uh, off-peak planes flying empty and its on-peak flights, um, you know, oversold uh, with American filling them as well at a much higher price point. So, um, you know, there were 20 airlines already this year that went bankrupt uh, and shut down. I think the most recent one was Wow Air from Iceland. So, you know, if if your if your competitors are doing dynamic pricing and you aren't, um, you're going to have issues. And if your competitors are working on implementing dynamic pricing and it takes a year and you haven't started yet, 
even though they're not doing it yet, you may find yourself really suffering once they put it out in the market, get those learnings and have that impact. Um, and, and you have to start from a standing stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, finally, Alex, what industries um, do you believe can benefit most from dynamic pricing? So, I mean, as a lot of these examples are B2C companies. Um, and I think, I think that in general is a good place to start. So if you're a B2C company selling either large volumes of products um, or across a large number of locations, uh, you know, generally speaking, a complex business, which most, you know, most, most pricing managers work for complex businesses, those are a great place to start. Uh, I think if you, if you have a lot of products and you sell very, very, uh, or like by a lot, I mean like 100,000 products, or you sell very large ticket items like jet engines to a very limited number of customers, or if all your customers are buying on a on an annual contract basis, you know, you send out a price sheet in January and that's just the prices for the year, then then dynamic pricing is obviously not a great fit for you. But um, but wherever you have, even if it's a small, relatively small portion of your business, a good example is one company where we work with, uh, and this is true in a lot of other industries, you know, 40% of their business is their direct to consumer business. And then they have the rest of their business is selling to companies and, and B2B buyers. But that 40% is where a lot of the profit is because that's how they absorb extra capacity. Uh, that's how they they increase their, their per unit sale price uh, because their long-term customers are locked into lower prices. So, so I mean, by focusing there, they're able to drive really high returns, um, even though there are other parts of their business that might not be dynamically priced. Um, so, you know, in terms of specific industries, uh, transportation in general is always a great fit. Um, you know, whether it's it's car, uh, you know, bit different aspects of the car industry, whether it's selling cars, leasing cars, renting cars, um, different uh, different aspects of trucking. Uh, certain certain trucking type businesses can be really uh, get a lot of value from it. Um, cargo uh, airlines, have, you know, and, and some of the other travel categories like hotel are great. Um, but even outside of that, um, there, there are other industries that are capacity constrained that you might not think of uh, that, that might be a good fit. And I, th- I think if you, if you worry as a business or if as a pricing manager, your job has to do with what, um, you know, managing capacity constraints, then dynamic pricing can be a really good fit for you. Awesome. Alex, thank you. Um, we are at the end of our podcast and we appreciate you joining us and sharing your insights on dynamic pricing and real world applications. PPS is excited to celebrate 30 years in bringing you the best in pricing workshops and conferences. And to make this event even more special, we're hosting it right here in our hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, May 7th through the 10th. Alex will be there with us presenting in our data science track on Thursday, May 9th. And his topic is the art of pricing in an AI driven world. So we hope our listeners out there will join Alex and the Professional Pricing Society in a great week filled of learning. Please visit our website for more information, pricingsociety.com, about our other conferences coming up this year, as well as our online pricing courses and our certification program. Get social with PPS and subscribe to our blog, thepricingauthority.com. Follow us on Twitter at Pricing Society. And stay tuned for any announcements we may have coming up on additional pricing podcasts where our other industry experts will join us to share their pricing expertise as well. Alex, do you have any parting words of wisdom or advice for our listeners out there? 
No, thank you. I hope this was valuable to them. And if they want to know more, they're welcome to go visit our website where we have a book, um, perfectprice.com slash book, uh, or follow us on, on Twitter and LinkedIn where we post on these subjects quite frequently. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in Atlanta. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you.